This is One-on-One's NFL Friday, bringing your weekly Jets, Giants, and NFL talk from WFUV Sports. With top guests, weekly fantasy advice, and opinionated analysis, this is One-on-One's NFL Friday. Welcome, everybody, to NFL Friday. It's the Week 14 edition and we got a lot to talk about. I'm Tommy Aldrich. My B-host here is Jackson Heil. Fantasy expert is Joe DeBarro. And to the right is Lauren Russell on the show. And behind the glass, we got Jimmy Sullivan producing. Guys, let's get right into it. Last night, there was a huge NFC South matchup. And the Falcons, I think they saved their season. It was it was the Falcons beating beating up on the Saints 20-17. to Not so much beating up on them, really, but actually a super close game. But... A lot to talk about with this game. Really a must win for the Falcons to keep their playoff hopes alive. Uh, the Saints come into the game 9-3, and three, uh, really hot in the NFC. But the Falcons took it to them. Jackson, what were your thoughts from last night's game? Yeah, I mean, I mentioned off the air that I'm not a big fan of the NFC South. I think there are three teams that are overrated in that division in the Saints, Falcons, and the Panthers. But... Overall, I think it in general it is an impressive win for the Falcons. You come back from down to touchdown in the fourth quarter. To come back and win a game like that, especially in the division, like you mentioned, they would have fallen to I believe it was seven and six, but now they're at eight and five. So that's a massive win for the Falcons and it keeps them in the hunt in the division race because you look at the wild card, there's gonna be trouble there because you're gonna have one of the Rams or the Seahawks there. And then that final spot is kinda of up for grabs. So the Falcons best shot is to come through the division and to beat a team like the Saints who are in first in the division, and you also have the Panthers there. That's a big win for them. Lauren, what did you think about Matt Ryan last night? He 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 had we we saw him have three interceptions in four throws. Yep, and yep. some of them were ugly. But he also found Mohamed Sanu once in the end zone at a key spot, and and really did I guess all the necessary things to win. What do you think about his performance and and sort of the direction of the Falcons' offense? Well, I think Matt Ryan is definitely going to have to play like the MVP he was last season um yes they did come back and win but they they saved their season last night they saved they saved their playoff hopes and like if they want to continue like to save their hopes Matt Ryan needs to play better because it it was desperation last night yeah just to interject quick this the Falcons defense is not what it was last year in my opinion I mean you look at up and down their pass rush was incredible last year and That was something that really was a difference maker for them because the Falcons of the past, when they had that 6-0 start a few years ago, they really collapsed defensively, and that's what happened for them this year. This year, they haven't really gotten the defense that they're expected to, and their secondary does have some issues, but they really stepped up yesterday against the Saints offense that, yes, Alvin Kamara was out, but... That's a dangerous team, especially playing indoors with Drew Brees, and it was a pretty pretty impressive performance by that Falcons defense. It was. To hold Drew Brees and, and the really hot New Orleans Saints to 17 is impressive, but I'm not, let's stick to that Falcons defense for a little bit. Why do you think it is that they're not necessarily as good? The players are still there. Vic Beasley did have a serious hamstring injury earlier in the season, but he's back. He looks like he's getting back into shape, and Desmond Trufant, I thought, to be a shutdown corner. I don't know if he's just having a lackluster season or if he's been hurt a little bit. But they even added Dontari Poe, a key addition theoretically from the Chiefs last year. So what is it maybe about this Falcons defense? Listen, I think honestly it's just a little bit of regression. I mean, we saw Vic, Vic Beasley was arguably the best pass rusher in the league last year. I think it's that's more of just a regression to the norm. And you mentioned Trufant. That's something that's just going to come with age. I mean, he's getting up there in age. I'm not sure exactly what he is, but he's high 20s, low 30s for sure. So that's something I think that's just a regression to the norm for them. I think they outperformed what they're normally, what they're used to last year. But listen, I mean, they they definitely have a shot. Their pass rush is excellent. Poe po has been an interesting addition, like you mentioned. But they do have the pieces in place where they can make a run at the, South, at the NFC South title. So it's more just a matter of performance for them. And and so Jackson, I want to ask you about these Saints because you were you were talking all about them before we went on right now. Drew Brees, he's twenty six for thirty five last night, two hundred seventy one yards and two touchdowns. They lose Alvin Kamara, who's been just great, and in comes Mark Ingram, who's you know normally the starter. Twelve carries for forty nine yards. Looked like he missed his counterpart a little bit. Uh, you don't, you're not so much of a believer in these Saints. Tell me why. Well, I I just think they've been they've got they had a really 
easy schedule for the most part. I mean, you look at when they've actually gone up against some decent teams. I mean, they lost to the Rams prior to this week. Obviously, they lose to the Falcons this week. And then their other two losses, I'm not sure what their first one was, but they lost. They got blown out by New England at home. And that was week two when the Patriots were coming off a brutal loss to Kansas City. So I'm not necessarily buying them. I think offensively, I think this team is legit with Alvin Kamara. But also to mention, Mark Ingram's been very impressive this season. I mean, he's averaging over five yards a carry, and he's kind of been the guy that when they've needed a big run, he's the guy they've gone to. So offensively, they're legit. I just don't see them having having the defense necessarily that can handle a team in the playoffs, especially when you have to go up into, say, a Philadelphia and beat a Carson Wentz on the road or potentially beat the Vikings in a tough atmosphere. I just don't think they have what it takes defensively to make a deep run in the playoffs, in my opinion. Lauren, the NFC South, the New Orleans Saints have a one-game lead. Then there's the Panthers and the Falcons, one game behind them. So what do you think about these Saints? Do you think they take the NFC South? Oh no, I I have different opinion here. I think this I think the Saints are going to take it. I mean, like you said, you don't you don't see them going into Minnesota and you don't see them holding Case Keenum. I mean, no disrespect to Case, Case Keenum. Case Keenum's legit. I no disrespect to Case Keenum, but <laughs> no disrespect to Case Keenum. But, that has like been said so many times this year probably. <laughs> no disrespect to him, but in a playoff situation, Case Keenum in a playoff situation, this the Saints defense was not good for the past couple of years. They have definitely improve this season and I think if they rely they can they can rely on Drew Brees I think Drew Brees can take that team into the playoffs going back to Case Keenum not to pick on him or anything but if you're gonna tell me like Case Keenum versus Drew Brees who are you gonna take well I mean I'll take the Vikings are you saying if they meet in the playoffs at some point is yeah okay so I just just want to get this clear so in a playoff matchup you like the Saints over the Vikings. Yeah, I mean whole team All right, too. Well, yeah. yeah, no. Well, I, Wait, that, why did you pick the Minnesota Vikings? Are they? Are oh, because I was just. I was going just, just, just the team I mentioned. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. Sorry, sorry. I missed that. I missed that. All right. Well, a lot to talk about. We're going to return to the NFC South because that is. I mean, that's going to be a very interesting finish. I'll get two more points real quick from last night's game. We got to mention Drew Brees did throw a game losing interception last night. They were in the red zone with a chance for the win. And Drew Brees, uh, a rare interception to lose the game. And one more point about the Saints' defense. I think it's Martian, Marshawn Latimer, a great player from Ohio State who's turned that thing around. But let's Definitely. talk a little bit about fantasy right now with our fantasy expert. It's John DeBarro with the studs. Who are some of the safest bets in fantasy this week? Here are the players our expert thinks you must start if you're looking to win your matchup. Raiders quarterback Derek Carr draws a promising matchup versus the Chiefs defense ranked dead last in fantasy points allowed to quarterbacks. Amari Cooper is questionable for the contest, but the return of Carr's top target, Michael Crabtree, off a one-game suspension should help the Raiders passing game take advantage of a struggling Chiefs secondary, now missing top cornerback Marcus Peters, who's also serving a one-game suspension for his antics in last week's loss to the Jets. Ravens running back Alex Collins has finally settled into a lead-back role as he's notched over 400 scrimmage yards and four touchdowns in his last five games. Collins will face a banged-up Steelers defense, prone to give up big plays on the ground in Sunday night's matchup. Eagles receiver Nelson Aguilar ripped up the Seahawks secondary last week with seven catches for 140 yards and a touchdown, showing he can still produce even when Carson Wentz is not at his best. The Eagles get another tough road matchup against the LA Rams, but that shouldn't scare off fantasy owners given Aguilar's big play potential and nose for the end zone. And those are your surefire starts for Week 14. Hey, here we are in Week 14, and all of a sudden fantasy is super important to everybody because if you're in right now, you're in the playoffs. So congratulations to anyone listening who may be in the playoffs. I'm certainly not. John, I, I like the Nelson Algahor start. I mean, Wentz just has an incredible arm, and even though he's Algahor has actually been very effective underneath a lot for them, I think that's a very interesting matchup going forward. It's, even though he does, he will probably won't see too much of Tremaine Johnson this week against the Rams. But overall, that I, I agree with that matchup for sure. Tremaine Johnson, a cornerback who's been playing really well for the Rams. Some other team that hasn't been playing really well at all this season is the New York Giants. Oh, well, uh, they're yeah. coming off of probably one of their wildest weeks in, you know, maybe a decade, honestly. So let's let's run the report and talk about the Giants afterwards. Last Sunday was one of the odder Sundays we've seen for the Giants in years. It was a game day where the game itself was not in center focus. 
The chronology goes something like this. The fallout from Giants fans following Eli Manning's benching was so intense that just hours before the game on Sunday, reports surfaced that said Ben McAdoo may be out as the Giants head coach in just a week's time. Adding to the suspense, John Mara and Steve Tisch were in Los Angeles at the time of these reports, at the game, promising to speak to the media following its conclusion. They did not speak after the game, which the Giants and Geno Smith lost 24-17, but let their actions do the talking on Monday when they axed Ben McAdoo and Jerry Reese from their current positions as head coach and general manager. And just like that, the Giants are in a sad state. Yes, it may be a relief to some extent, but let's face it, who are teams who fire their head coach and general manager in the middle of the season? The Cleveland Browns do, that's who. And yes, Ben McAdoo didn't seem like such a great head coach, but now, depending on how you feel about Eli Manning, a new coach has to develop a relationship with him, and in maybe the last couple years of his career, not such a good situation. Remember, Ben McAdoo was the offensive coordinator here for two years, installing a new offense before coming a head coach. And now Eli Manning's back as the starter, continuing the whirlwind of confusion at that position. Will he be back next year? Does New York want him back next year? Shouldn't we see what those other guys have? All fair questions. But for now, it's back to Eli Manning at QB as the Giants take on the divisional rival Cowboys at 1 p.m. this Sunday at home at MetLife Stadium. Covering these Giants, I'm Tommy Aldridge, WFUV Sports. So that was a weird week for the Giants. It really was. I mean, how often do you see a head coach and general manager get axed in the same day? I mean, you know, maybe if they're going to go, it's going to happen on the same day. But anyway, this is a house cleaning by the New York Giants. And this is crazy because this is a uh, usually stable organization. Jerry Reese has been here for a decade plus, maybe about a decade. And, and well, Ben McAdoo's only been here for a couple years, but he didn't do so well. I mean... Guys, what are your initial reactions now that the Giants are officially searching for a new general manager? Well, I, I think Jerry Reese's job was cost by John Mara because I you you look at what this how the season has transpired and there were plenty of opportunities for the Giants to fire Ben McAdoo, and deservingly so, but it just doesn't make sense to me that they chose this week to do it after the whole Eli thing because benching Eli, in my opinion, was one of the more intelligent moves that the Giants have made this year. I mean, it doesn't make sense. Why wouldn't you fire him after getting blown out by a winless 49ers team or getting dismantled at home by the LA Rams? It just doesn't make sense to me at all why you'd why you'd wait this long to fire him if you're the Maras. And this whole situation with Eli could have been avoided this entire time. I think that's a really good point. I think John Mara uh you know, he said that they were they would wait until the end of the season. And it's just undoubtable that the reason that McAdoo is fired in season is because of the fans' reactions to Eli Manning. Do you think that's a fair statement? Oh, yeah. It definitely is. I mean, you got to look at the schedule. Three of their final four games are at home versus the Eagles, the Cowboys. I mean, the Cowboys are obviously this week. Cowboys, Eagles, and Redskins. All divisional matchups. I mean, could you imagine what the stadium would have been like this weekend if— Ben McAdoo was still there, if Eli Manning was on the bench. I mean, we even saw it in Oakland, all the way across the country, all the way coast to coast, people were there chanting for Eli Manning. So just imagine what it would have been like this week. Yeah, I mean, I, I think we're all on the same page here. It was a bit of a gaffe by the Giants' ownership to to sort of sign off on this Eli move because they, they did. It, people, are, you know, it was either a big, regardless if it was miscommunication or not, they, in some fashion, signed off on Eli Manning's benching, not probably anticipating the reaction the fans were going to have, and then it's easy for them to sort of just fire McAdoo to ease the fans when, you know, that was they had a part in that decision. My question is, and I think this is how the future of the Giants uh, is going to be determined, is what are these same ownership's thoughts on Eli Manning? Basically, what does John Mara think about Eli Manning's future as a quarterback? Well, I, I think it's pretty clear if you look at this week, them putting him back in the starting lineup tells me that he's not going anywhere yet because 
had they let Geno Smith play, and I, I almost feel bad for Geno Smith because he's been put in this horrible situation where he actually played pretty good last week, in my opinion, and he almost was part of the reason why the Giants kept the game close against the Raiders. But I think Eli's here, obviously for the rest of the season, he's here to stay. I just don't see a scenario where he gets moved next year. Obviously, people are mentioning the Jaguars and stuff, but I think it's pretty clear that the Maras are going to stick with Eli after this whole debacle. Lauren, what do you think about the fact that Eli is, again, named the starter of the team? I think I think they had to do it. Um, like I said previously, it would have been crazy. I think it's a good sign for next year because thinking about the draft, let's say they have a top three pick, right? I don't want to, like, obviously it's not official yet, but it it's mo- most likely they're going to have a top three pick. Let's say they draft a guy like Sam Darnold. I mean, I'm, I'm saying a lot of what ifs here, but there's no way Sam Darnold is going to be ready to start next season, first week. I, I mean, we'll have to see how he does in camp or whatever. I mean, now I'm like playing like the Giants did draft him, but hey, it'd be an <laughs> ideal situation. It would They be a bad need thing. Eli Manning there to like mentor whoever. I mean, that's, that would be a perfect situation. Eli there mentoring whoever and then realizing, okay, time is coming up and then just, just have whenever his time is up be a lot smoother than what just happened this past two weeks. I'm on the record as saying that I think that would be a very ideal situation. Sam Darnold getting drafted by the Giants, clearly not ready, and then Eli Manning grooms him just like Brett Favre groomed Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. That would be a great matchup because people are not that not that Darnold is as hyped as Aaron Rodgers. He may be a bit more even because we all saw Rodgers slide on draft day, but Darnold is a serious prospect, and that would be interesting for Giants fans. Now, Tommy, just to just to, I'll pose this question to both of you yeah. guys. Would would you rather the Giants go? It, it, say they have like the number four pick, and they have an opportunity to trade up to the top two to take either Rosen or Darnold. Would you rather them give up a decent decent uh, sum to get a guy a quarterback of the future? Would you rather them hold it for and pick a guy like Sam? Sam, uh, excuse me, Saquon Barkley. You know, this is a really interesting question because. There's just a lot of ways to look at it. I mean, on one hand, if the Giants do have a top three, top four pick this year, which they very well are looking like they will, I, it would just be, it's hard to pass up on a quarterback in that situation, not even necessarily because you've fallen in love with the guys in the draft, but more so you don't know when you'll be so unfortunate as to be in the situation again, basically. You don't know when you're going to be able to tap get a top quarterback and especially in the context of Eli Manning's in the you know final final stages of his career you know failing to take a quarterback here could bite them in the butt in the future that being said a month ago Saquon Barkley was looking like a guaranteed top three pick all of a sudden he didn't have such a great last month of college football and you're more looking like you can easily get him in the top six top seven so the Giants are looking like right now they could easily be they could easily nab Saquon Barkley, who a month ago everyone was saying, "Oh my God, Saquon Barkley, Saquon Barkley." So that's another name Giants fans could get excited about. What yeah. do you think about it? I think I think exactly what you said. You don't know when you're going to be in this situation again. I think it'd be silly for the Giants not to draft a quarterback, and especially this class is such, or is said it is said that it's going to be such a great quarterback class. Obviously, we don't know until we see them play in the NFL, but I mean. Another guy that like I think about it, or a guy that I think is intriguing is Baker or is Baker Mayfield. I mean, obviously people are saying Rosen and Darnold are probably going to be the top guys, but I feel like he's another guy that the Giants could look at that could think about. And what about Lamar Jackson? I mean, that's a guy nobody's talking oh, about. Well, he he doesn't necessarily earn the talking about. I mean, yes, he's obviously an incredible player in college. He's had back-to-back seasons of 3,000 passing yards and 1,000 yards on the ground. But yeah, there, he, he, has, he hasn't shown the ability to, th- to throw in the pocket. Yeah, that's, definitely what, that's what worried me. There's definitely not the talk about him. I mean, let's, there is the three guys, you know, who everyone's talking about, Baker Mayfield, Josh Rose, and Sam Darnold. Along with Allen from Wyoming. Yeah. And Josh Allen. You're yep. very and, and this is all very subject to change in the next coming months, as it always does. Oh, the draft always shakes up, even in the few weeks leading up to it. But, you know... I would be really kind of thrilled if all of a sudden, out of nowhere, out of the blue, the Giants liked Lamar Jackson with the fourth overall pick because that means someone in that scouting room fell in love with him. And and that would just be exciting. That would just be exciting. Tommy, I I hate to break it to you, but that would never happen. (laughs) Okay. No, I've seen some mock drafts. I've seen a surprising number of mock drafts that have 
Lamar Jackson going to the Giants at like number two, which no. is I mean, which is not, even surprising all, for me. It's no, all, that, that that that's not happening. I I will personally guarantee you that. <laughs> I mean, the I don't th- I don't think it's going to happen, Jackson but I don't know. If other people are saying it. Right. So so, I mean. What else can we say about this wild week? So Ben McAdoo, he's finally out as the new coach. Jerry Reese is out as the general manager. And so we discussed Eli. We we all kind of agree that he'll probably be be, be back next year as the starting quarterback for the Giants. And probably. Yeah, I agree, <laughs> but I'm I'm just going to interject quick for Tommy. If if Eli is back, I think something that the Giants could maybe look at depending on what pick they have would be to trade back and kind of take get a huge sum or a huge package for a top three pick that, say, maybe the Jets would look at to go get a quarterback or something of that sort. Because if if they think they can compete next year, which I probably think they can. I mean, most of their defense is still intact. And offensively, you hope to get Odell Beckham back healthy. I think it wouldn't be too far out of the picture to see if they could win 10 games next year. That's a really good point. Something I've been saying, you know, probably as an delusion Giants fan maybe, (laughs) is that this is a roster that could experience a quick turnaround. Like, yes, this season's absolute disaster, 2-10, and 10, whatever the final record may be, but it was such a fluky, weird season, and they were so hyped in the beginning of the year that, like, with one or two key changes, this team could be a winning team. I, I think, think about the Rams. Just yeah. look at the Rams. They, didn't, exactly. they got rid of their pick for Jared Goff, and McVay comes in there, and the whole... And you know who Thing else came in 360. there? Left tackle Andrew Whitworth, the biggest mm-hmm. offensive lineman name yep. in the market. That was a big deal when the Giants yep. passed that, on him. That was the one move that I thought Jerry Reese really screwed up on. Yeah, because he, he, he had the money to go after him, too, but they chose Brandon Marshall over Whitworth. And obviously we saw how catastrophic that was this season. But again, I, I think it's hard to compare the Rams and the Giants because... The Giants are more vet- veteran-ridden team as opposed to the Rams, who had a bunch of up-and-coming guys, including mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, obviously Aaron Donald there, but you also have guys like Todd Gurley, Jared Goff, and then they go out and get Sammy Watkins. You have oh, yeah. Robert Woods. So th- th- there's a th- completely different makeup on that team. But like I said, I-, I don't think it's too far out of the question to see that the Giants can win 10 games next year. And then trading back that pick, say you get three first-round picks like the Rams got in that RG th- RG3 package, I mean, I I think that would be very definitely an interesting move that the Giants could look at. You know, I gotta agree. And the maybe the last point about the Giants is, and I don't want to just like start a whole new thing here, but their their roster does seem to be complete. But their their defense is just they're thirty second in the league right now. Actually, they're thirty second in the league in yards allowed. And Jason Pierre-Paul. He's played the most snaps, I think, of any defensive player in the league, and I applaud him for his consistency there and his general good play against the run. But he is not getting it. He is mm-hmm. not rushing the passer, and nobody on the Giants is. And we're locked in with JPP and OV, Olivier Vernon, for the next you know, five years, theoretically, and, and those guys can't seem to get a single piece of pressure on the quarterback. Yeah, some guy I'd actually be interested to see if they go after this offseason is Muhammad Wilkerson because it looks like the New York Daily News put out this week that it looks like the Jets are going to cut him after this season. And he'd be a guy that if they can get him on a one-year deal that I'd be very interested. If the if the Giants could basically get him to play a prove-it deal because when he's on a one-year deal, as we saw, going into a contract here, he's spectacular and he can get to the quarterback with the best of them. So if you add him into that equation, say you get you get better years from JPP and, like you mentioned, Olivier Vernon, and then the secondary comes back and isn't talking crap about the coaches <laughs> like they did this year and is healthy, and also an improvement from Landon Collins. I mean, obviously there's a lot there, and you're asking for a lot, but that that's something that I could definitely see the Giants I, that could come together for them. All right, so why don't we talk about the other New York team now? I believe we have a report from them. They're coming off of an amazing... Really, yeah, an amazing win against the Chiefs. Let's hear what our beat reporter Matt Murphy had to say. The New York Jets spoiled Darrell Revis' homecoming this past Sunday. They knocked off the Chiefs 38-31 to improve to 5-7. Josh McCown accounted for three touchdowns and continues his surprisingly solid season. Whiteouts Robbie Anderson and Jermaine Kearse combined to catch 17 balls for 164 yards. But it's worth noting that Anderson left Thursday's practice early with a hamstring injury. This week, the Jets are in Denver for a matchup with a Broncos team that has lost eight, count them, eight in a row. Rookie safety Jamal Adams knows what's at stake for he and his guys 
as they are still a long shot to make the playoffs, but aren't mathematically eliminated just yet. I have no choice, man. Uh, back is against the wall, uh, so we got to keep fighting. Um, every week, it doesn't matter where we play, uh, we got to go out there and compete. Trevor Simeon and the AFC West Broncos are 3-9 on the year overall and have really struggled to find the big play. The Denver offense doesn't have a touchdown pass longer than 25 yards this season and has hit on a passing play of more than 30 yards just eight times. Despite the struggles, all-pro linebacker Von Miller kept up his holiday tradition of giving this year. Every Bronco had a dual-temperature mattress topper, estimated at around $1,000 each, in front of his locker on Thursday, courtesy of Miller. But sleeping in their own comfortable beds or not, I'm going Jets 23, Broncos 20 in this battle. Gangrene doubles up my season prediction of three wins and gets to six and seven. Covering the I'm Matt Murphy, WFUV Sports. So I picked the Giants to go 13 and 3. Matt Murphy picks the Jets to go 3 and 13. And they both pretty much do the opposite of that. That's just crazy. <laughs> so the Jets beat the Chiefs 38 to 31 and and guys, the Jets just continue to overperform. Yeah, I mean, this game really should have been a blowout. I mean, the, the Jets really should have pounced on the Chiefs. Obviously, they had a tough start. They go down 14 nothing five minutes into the game. But the only reason the Chiefs were in this game was because of the Jets. I mean, you look at the play calling all game. The Chiefs could not stop a nosebleed in the passing game. I mean, Robbie Anderson and Jermaine Curse both had north of 100 yards receiving. And... Morton just kept going to the run on first and second down all game, and it kind of kept the Chiefs in the game because obviously it forced the Jets on long drives, but then also defensively, I mean, they kept going man-to-man coverage against a against a Chiefs team that has Tyree Kill, and that that's going to burn you every single time. And that the big play was the only reason that Alex Smith kept ironically kept them in this game, but. Overall, very impressive performance from the Jets' offense, and Josh McCowan just continues to be a stud in the pocket. Yeah, um, that was definitely, I love offensive football, so that was definitely a fun game. Um, But going back to the play calling, even um, towards the end of the game, the Jets, they had so many opportunities with the penalties, like when Marcus Peters (laughs) threw the flag into the stands, and I don't know how it just took them so long to punch it into the end zone there. I mean, they just they got chance after chance after chance after chance there. Yeah, I mean, just to interject quick, I, I think there was a stat that they had they ran nine plays inside the five on that last drive before they finally were able to get that game winning touchdown. And it just shows that I mean, obviously the Chiefs really helped them out with the penalties, but they were lucky to come away with a win in that game, even though they dominated the entire game. And I, I think that's gotta be Obviously, it shows perseverance that they were able to come away with a win like that, but, I mean, they gave the Chiefs chance after chance to get back in that game, and that's something that's troubling for me, especially looking at the way Todd Bowles' tenure has gone with the way they've blown games, especially this season. And, you know, with the Chiefs, you got to wonder at this point, you mentioned they were getting carved apart by the Jets' passing game. The Eric Berry injury, which didn't seem like a huge deal you know, when it happened after the Chiefs won some games. Now oh, I, like, I would disagree there. I I mean, he's the best safety in football, in my opinion. No, no, no. I was I was devastated when he got injured, but they kept winning. Oh, okay. All and, right, fair and enough. And now it's like he's catching up to them a bit. But, you know, on, on the other side, Tyreek Hill, you mentioned how he burned the Jets twice. The NFL, I don't know if you guys have seen this day, like somehow track the miles per hour that these guys mm-hmm. are running somehow. Mm-hmm. And they always do like the top five speeds of the week. It's always around 19 to 21. I mean, I and occasionally a speedster will break 22. Uh, Tyreek Hill, two of the top five fastest plays in the league on Sunday were Tyreek Hill. Literally just running in a straight line, 20 miles per hour. Uh, I mean, that's why his Instagram name's Cheater, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I love Tyreek Hill. I mean, I think he, in high school, in high school he ran track, and he had like, I forget what thing you, I forget what event he ran, but um he he ran like the second fastest time ever for it, it looked like just like one lap around the track to be honest, but like just shows I mean the guy's incredibly incredibly fast. What do you guys think about the fact that Andy Reid suspended Peters for that throw? I mean, Lauren, you, you brought it up. Do, do you, it was it was funny and we we talked about the fans reactions, but 
the Chiefs have a big divisional game this week against the Raiders. And uh, that division is wide open. It's a mm-hmm. must-win for both teams. If you were Andy Reid, would you have given the suspension? It, it's a tough call, but I think I think discipline is important, even though it is a huge game. You don't want something like this to linger on. And Marcus Peters is arguably the best player on that defense. And I think if you if you just lay your foot um, lay your foot down, put your foot down and say, no, we're not going to stand for this. I don't think it's going to happen in the future. I mean, you don't want something like this to just linger on. I disagree completely here. Not not to be rude. <laughs> no, it's okay. But, That's the point, right? But, That's yeah. the point. But the, the fact that, obviously, Peters was upset, but there were multiple reasons Peters was upset in that situation, not just because of the officials, but I think he realized at that point he was the only competent member in that Chiefs secondary. I mean... <laughs> you, you you just look you just look at them outside of Peters. I mean, Darrell Revis was their number two corner for most of the first half before oh he got benched gosh, in the second yeah, half. Right, that is just and, ridiculous. And he couldn't stop anyone. And especially going into a game against a Raiders team that gets Michael Crabtree back along no, with Amari is, Cooper. I have to stop you right there. That is just <laughs> ridiculous. I remember that now. I don't know why I just remembered. Darrell Revis was out there starting. I mean, that is like, yeah, I, I, that's like a guy. No, I mean, and not to disrespect the name, but. Oh, no, he's, you know, he's earned all, disrespect at this point. It became, <laughs> it became sort of a joke at the end of last year, him in New York. And, you know, they literally got a guy off the streets right there. That was wild. But let's go to the fantasy Studs. Oh, no. This is the duds section. Excuse me. Fantasy duds for this week. Predicting this week's fantasy duds is just as important as picking this week's fantasy studs. Here's who our expert thinks you should sit this week. The Cowboys notched their first win without Ezekiel Elliott last week against the Redskins, but that doesn't mean you should trust Dak Prescott to produce in fantasy. Still dealing with a bruised hand, Prescott hasn't eclipsed 200 yards passing since week 9 and has 8 turnovers in his last 4 games. C.J. Anderson had a nice game last week in Miami, but don't count on him to notch another 100 yards from scrimmage against a lockdown Jets run defense that ranks six in fantasy points allowed to running backs. With the Redskins just about out of the playoff picture, don't expect an inspired performance from Josh Doxson in the slumping Washington offense against a red-hot L.A. Chargers team that ranks in the top half in the league in fantasy points allowed to receivers. And those are some guys you should steer clear of in fantasy this week. Thank you, John, for the advice. And and now we have our last section of the day with a playoff picture. And we're going to sort of go through the division, sort of an, analyze what we think the state of the league looks like right now. And, and I guess we'll start with the AFC. And, and right now I'm looking at the AFC South. And, and that's a division, you guys, that is coming right down to the wire. A lot of these divisions really are. But right there you have the Tennessee Titans and the Jacksonville Jaguars. I guess I'll just ask you guys straight up. Face value, don't even look at their schedules. Titans, Jaguars, who do you think's come away with that division? Well, it, it'd be tough for me to pick Blake Bortles to win yeah. a, f- a division in the NFL, but I, I think you have to go. <laughs> I, I think you have to go with Jacksonville. I mean, their defense has been absolutely sensational this year. Jalen Ram Ramsey has developed into arguably the best cornerback in the entire NFL, and their secondary remains sensational, but. I, I just think the Titans don't have enough offensively. Marcus Mariota has actually regressed pretty significantly in the pocket. His running has been sensational, but I just don't think the Titans have enough to get to win this division. I still think they'll make the playoffs. I'm with you so. there. What about what about you? Lauren? This is a tough one. Um, whenever, I don't think it's so tough. I'm with Jackson. Whenever but. I I just can't trust Blake Bortles. I don't know. <laughs> that, and and I that's, feel like he that is always the big thing. key situations, throwing interceptions, coming down the field for a game winning drive. In field goal range, throw an interception. It's just, uh, it's. I don't know if I can trust him, but the defense is so good, and obviously Marcus Mariota hasn't looked great. Uh, oh, I think I think I'd have to go with the Jaguars just because of the defense. Yeah, we just I and think just we, trust. We all sort Blake of agree Bortles not to do something terrible. Yeah, <laughs> that there's a lot of talent on that Jaguars roster, right? I mean, you I mean, Jalen Ramsey. They have some talent there. I mean, Mar- Marquise Lee. Yeah, Marquise Lee has been sensational this year for them too, but. I I just think I just think the the burden that is Blake Bortles isn't enough to to put them as not not to not win the AFC South I should say. So another division that is just going to be absolutely thrilling. It's a three-way tie in the AFC West. It's a three-way tie between the Chiefs, the Chargers and the Raiders. They're all 6 and 6. And the Chiefs are playing the Chargers this year, so there's there's going to be a shakeup somewhere, but you know, what do you guys think about that division because you know, those are some pretty low numbers at six and six. So maybe the, you know, their three teams 
two of them probably won't make the playoffs. Yeah, I, that, that's a, that's a, that's another really tough division because you have three teams. That Actually, that's are... not true. By the way, I'm sorry. I'm looking at these <laughs> AFC wild cards. They're pretty weak, so it's it's possible. It's possible. Yeah, but... I, like like you mentioned. I mean, the Chargers and Raiders are one game back of the Ravens right now exactly. for the division exactly. for, the, for a, a, the final six seed in the AFC. But I, I ultimately think that the Chargers come away with this division, and I, I I'm a huge Phil Rivers Phil Rivers guy, and I just think that. Offensively, they're they're so good offensively. I mean, Melvin Gordon has been awesome this year. Keenan Allen is probably the most underrated receiver in football, in my opinion. And I just think offensively, they're too good. They also have a solid secondary, and they can develop the pass rush with Joey Bosa. So that's the team I look to. I just I just don't. I think the Chiefs have are in such a horrible state right now, where if they lose this week, they're done for sure, in my opinion. I think this week's a must win for them, but. I'm going with the Chargers and the Raiders as a close second, and then followed by the Chiefs. All right, Lauren, Chiefs, Chargers, Raiders. Who yeah, you I'm going to have to go with Chargers, too. I love the offense, Phillip Rivers. Uh, obviously, um, Keenan Allen, who's been held back by injuries the past couple years, has really reemerged. Um, obviously, Joey Bosa, huge on the pass rush. I I don't I I don't see the Raiders this year, which is which is surprising because if you told me this in the beginning of the year, I'd be like, oh, no Raiders for sure, but. They they just don't they don't seem like they're clicking right now. Yeah, yeah their I'm defense is horrible. Yeah, you know what? I I gotta agree. I think we're all gonna take the Chargers to come out of the West because the Chiefs, like you said, they're in a sad state right now. I think they're just kind of I don't see them putting together a lot of wins. The they, Raiders, they have the most potential probably. You know, as you said in the beginning of the yeah, year, we were all so high mm-hmm. on them, but you know, they just played the New York Giants. They didn't play that well against them at all. They only won by a touchdown, and they let the Giants offense score 17 with Geno, which Honestly, 17 for the Giants is a lot. Uh, that tells me enough about the Raiders. <laughs> exactly. So so we're all with the Chargers there. And and these wild cards, you guys. So you got, you know, two teams in the AFC South that are 8-4. and four. Uh, You got the Ravens, who are below the Pittsburgh in AFC North. They're 7-5. and five. And Buffalo Bills are 6-6 six and six as well. So the Bills are right in the mix with any of those AFC West teams. You got the Bills, the Chiefs, the Raiders, the Ravens the titans i mean guys it's a lot to say but pick pick if you can two wild card spots coming out of the afc well the titans i think that whoever's not the winner of the afc south either the titans or the jaguars will take one of those spots for sure and okay man I I, I I love the ravens i i love their defense and i i think they have one of the better defenses in football but i just don't think joe flacco's enough to hold on to that spot I, i've said joe flacco's elite on the show Jokingly, <laughs> so, on the past few weeks. So, are you gonna go with the Bills I, making the see, wild card, or another know. one of the AFC West teams? Because that's all you're left with. That, that's I don't know. I mean, like <laughs> my, my, my biased self wants to take the Jets, but their their record, no. their 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 schedule down the stretch. Don't is too say tough. that. But we're trying to we're trying to I'm, maintain yeah. some legitimacy <laughs> to this show. No, I, I'm gonna take the Bills. I I think Tyrod Taylor. Interesting. If if he's healthy, if Tyrod Taylor is healthy, it looks he got. Banged up last weekend. That looked to be pretty serious, but it looks like he will be back this weekend at some point. But um, I- I'm going to go with the Bills. Lauren, what about you? Yeah, this is tough. Um, definitely, it, whoever doesn't make it, uh, whoever doesn't win the division between the Titans and the Jaguars, I think is going to be there. Um, you know what? I'm going to go with the Ravens. I'm going to go with the Ravens. Interesting. All right. Uh, Hey, hey it, Joe Flacco, he's been there before, and he's won a Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. And as Jackson pointed out, the defense there in Baltimore is really good. Mm-hmm. So we'll move on to the NFC now. The Eagles, I think they're a lock for the NFC East. NFC North, I think the Vikings are a lock for that. There we are, back in the NFC South. We got the Saints, the Panthers, and the Falcons. We already talked a lot about them, so let's talk about a little bit about the NFC West. The Rams lead that division. They're 9-3. and three. The Seahawks are very close behind at 8-4. and four. The Seahawks, a proven team. A lot of their guys have been there, and quite the opposite with the Rams, a younger team, and none of them have been there. Who do you like coming out of the West? I, I like the Rams. I mean, I, I have dreams about a Jared Goff, Case Keenum, NFC Championship game, <laughs> oh really, just goodness. to like set set the NFL on fire. Against, by but, the way, potentially Ben Roethlisberger and the and Tom Brady in the AFC uh, playoffs. Just, just, so. ima- just imagine the, what the what like the NFL would be like if Case Keenum was playing in a Super Bowl. <laughs> like th- 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 that, that, any th- regardless of the fact, um, th- the Rams' defense is too good in my opinion, and I, I actually, I'm a big fan of Seattle. I mean, I- Russell Wilson's played like an MVP this entire season, and 
I think given how bad their offensive line is, I think they've done wonders on offense given the scenario they've been put in. But I, I just like the Rams. They're very explosive offensively. Todd Gurley's an excellent runner. And they have the big playability with Robert Woods and Sammy Watkins, who although struggled, he does have the potential to make big plays. And I, I think that's just the difference for the Rams. I'm really interested to see how they fare up against the Eagles this week, though, because they beat the Saints a few weeks back at home. Now you get a tough matchup with Carson Wentz and the matchup of the top two picks a few years ago with Wentz and Goff. So that that's something that's interesting. That'll be interesting to watch for me. Um. I'm sorry. To cut no, you off. no, go ahead. Um, I'm I'm really high on the Rams right now too. I think McVeigh's done an awesome job. I think everyone, no one can say he hasn't. Uh, I love Jared Goff. I think he's going to be a star. I mean, the offense is crazy. It's actually so much fun to watch that offense. You just work. look what happens when you give a quarterback an offensive line. Exactly. I mean, that's exactly. exactly what they did this off season. I mean, in sorry, not to cut you off. I'm no, cutting no, everyone no off. But um, I mean, just look at how Todd Gurley compared to from last season to this season. Yeah, and even just look, even just look at Case Keenum. Like he was, he was he struggled so badly with the Rams last year with essentially no offensive line, and now you put him in a Vikings team where you're in an excellent scenario. You have two of the best receivers in football, and Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs, and you also have a very competent run game. So you just look at the difference in the offensive line has made not only with Keenum but also the entire Rams offense. Case Keenum, I totally forgot he was the quarterback in L.A. last year. That's just pretty crazy. Yeah, he went 4-5 and five with them last year before they went to Goff, who was even worse at that point. So just a very incredible turnaround. It's like you mentioned, Sean McVay is probably the head coach of the year this year, in my opinion. You know, guys, I don't, I don't want to go through the whole wild card thing like we just did in the NFC because it's, it's, it's a lot, just like it is in the AFC. So I'll maybe just ask a more yes or no type question do three teams come out of that NFC South? The Saints, the Panthers, and the Falcons. The worst of them, the Falcons, I, I guess, are 8-5. and five. Panthers are 8-4. Saints are 9-4. and four. Guys, do you see three teams coming out of that division? Just to let you know, in order for that to happen, the Seahawks would not make it, which we were just talking about. The Lions would have no chance at 6-6. Six and six. And the Cowboys would have no chance at six and six. Yeah, I think the Seahawks would really have to fall off a cliff. I'll, I'll mention Jimmy Sullivan in the back, who mentioned to me with Aaron Rodgers potentially coming back the following week. They have the Browns this week, which would put them to seven and six, and then they would have to win out and get some help. That would be wild. But oh my gosh! I, I just I don't see three teams from the South making it. I think the Seahawks don't really fall off a cliff, which is what would be required to do. Yeah, I do not see. I I can't see Seattle not making the playoffs right now. Okay. It's, so, I, and I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about the Falcons. I don't know. Are they, are they strong enough to finish this out? Even clinch a wild card spot? I no, I don't. <laughs> I don't. Uh, She's very unsure. Thinking She's out very loud. Very unsure. I, I'm going. Seattle's good. No. <laughs> so no, no three, no three teams from the South. So it's going to be an interesting finish. <laughs> these last four weeks are are they really going to be good? Uh, and we'll have some good shows, I'm sure. Last fantasy installment is up next, though. Sleepers. Nailing sleeper picks is a surefire way to get your team a victory. Here are some players that fantasy owners are currently overlooking. Though not a guy Jets fans were excited about to start the season, quarterback Josh McCown has quietly put together a top 10 fantasy campaign. Coming off two straight games of more than 25 fantasy points, McCown gets a matchup with the Denver defense that looks like it's quit down the stretch. With Joe Mixon officially out of this week's game in Chicago, the Bengals will turn to the versatile Gio Bernard, who just posted a season-high 96 scrimmage yards in Monday night's game in Pittsburgh. The Bears have allowed over 100 rushing yards in four of their last five games and will have a tough time containing Bernard as a receiver out of the backfield. Marquise Goodwin has shined as the 49ers' lead receiver since Pierre Garçon went on IR, notching at least 60 yards receiving in each game since. Now Jimmy Garoppolo's favorite target, look for Goodwin to top last week's 8-catch 99-yard performance against the Houston pass defense that ranks just 24th in fantasy points allowed to receivers. And those are some fantasy plays that will give you the edge in Week 14. L love the Josh McCowan selection. I mean, the, the guy's a running freak. Even though he's been great in the passing game, I mean... Josh McCown for MVP. <laughs> the guy's a playmaker. I mean, uh, he, he really I love, is. He's fun to watch play. He's he, made a lot he's, of plays. He's, he's on like, my team. He's got like five rushing touchdowns this year, which is like more than like 10 teams in this league right now. In, in 10 teams <laughs> in the NFL right now, so... Oh, man, Josh McCown. The Browns, the, the Browns should have signed him to a five-year deal four years ago. I keep oh, saying stop. it. Stop. All right, so the picks. Let's do it, guys. 
I'm going to win this week. I'm just letting you know all oh. in advance. Okay, here we go. Okay. Indianapolis and Buffalo, you guys. We'll go around the room. We'll start with you, Jackson. Yeah, there, there's just no way that Indianapolis wins this game. I'm taking Buffalo. Yeah, I like Buffalo at home, too. I love to see them make a playoff run. Their fans deserve it. Maybe it starts against with a win against the Colts. Yeah, I'm going to go follow the crowd. Bills. Bills. All right, next up, Minnesota and Carolina. That's that's probably the one of the better games of the week, but like I mentioned, I'm on I'm fully on the Case Keenum bandwagon, so I'm taking the Vikings. Yeah, I am as well. Is it fair to call Case Keenum a fringe MVP candidate? Uh, it absolutely is. <laughs> no disrespect to Case Keenum, but yeah, I'm going with the Vikings <laughs> too. Ooh, I'm going to switch it up. Panthers. Yeah, this is a tough game. I'm going to take the Vikings in this one. Ooh. All right. Sin- All right, Chicago at Cincinnati. That's a brutal game, but I'll, t- I'll take Mitch Trubisky. I'll take Chicago. Yeah, I'm going to take Chicago, too. Cincinnati's still reeling from that brutal Monday night game. I'm going to have to go Cincinnati. All right, I'll take Chicago. They're, they're my favorite team this year. Dallas Cowboys at New York Giants. Oof. I mean, <laughs> I, I, just out of disrespect for the Giants, they, they don't deserve to win this weekend with all that's happened. I'll take the Cowboys. I'm looking for an inspired performance this week from the Giants defense because I think they're going to play hard down the stretch. Yeah, that, that's Spags the only that way job. I could see them winning that yeah, game. Yeah, I think they want to win Spags that job, so I think that gets them the win at home. This is, I think this game is going to be closer than a lot of people think, but I'm still going to have to go Cowboys even though it really hurts me. <laughs> yeah, I'm actually going to take the Giants in this one. Green Bay Packers at Cleveland Browns. Green Bay. There's no need to talk about it. Give me Cleveland. I think Green Bay is just that bad. Stop. I think Green Bay is that bad without Aaron Rodgers. They were lucky to beat Tampa last week. Give me Cleveland. So they finally get on the board this year. No, Packers. Go Pack Go. John, I respect it, man. I really do. But I'm going to have to take Green Bay. Detroit Lions at Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I think the, the Bucs are much better than people think. And at home, I'll, ta- I'll take Tampa Bay. Detroit is reeling right now. Yeah, I think Detroit's really underperformed. Just a couple weeks ago, people liked them to win that division because their schedule's so easy down the stretch. And then they met Case Keenum. That's right, but I think they're going to recover with a win against Tampa. I think if Matt Stafford's in there, if his hand is fine, I'm going to go with the Lions. Yeah, I'll go with the Lions, too. They actually need this win, unlike the Bucks. San Francisco 49ers at Houston Texans. I'll take Tom Savage in Houston. I just, I'm not a huge fan of San Francisco, although I do like Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah, I think Garoppolo can rip up this Houston defense. Houston's have nothing to play for. I think the 49ers want to play well for Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah, I'm going to take Jimmy G and the 49ers. I'm going to do that, too. I'm going to take Jimmy G in this one, going for, I think, his second consecutive win in two <laughs> games as a starter. There you go. All right. This is a good game here. Oakland Raiders at Kansas City Chiefs. Man, this is a tough one. But this, is, this is very tough. Th- this is as must-win as it gets for Kansas City. but <laughs> And I, Oakland, by the way. <laughs> I, I just don't think they have enough in that secondary to handle Crabtree and Cooper. I'll take Oakland. Yeah, I'm going to go with Oakland as well. Remember, this, this these teams' first matchup this year was a really fun, high-scoring game. Oh, yeah, that Thursday night game. Yeah. That was nuts. I just don't think Kansas City has a firepower in offense anymore, so I like Oakland. Yeah, I'm going to have to go with the Raiders too. I'm going to go with the home team here. I'm going to take the Chiefs. They scored points last week against the Jets, which is really what they struggled to do all during these Bad times. All right, Washington Redskins at L.A. Chargers. I'm going to take the Chargers. Rivers has been absolutely f- on fire of late, and that offense is just too good. Wait, I did. I this. I introduced this for the first time last show. It's called the sweep. I have a sense here. Are we all going to take the Chargers? That's my plan. Yeah. Okay. I'm all right. I, I could tell. I could just feel it in the room. <laughs> We're all taking the Chargers. The all hot. right. Tennessee Titans at Arizona Cardinals. I'm taking Tennessee. I just think, although I haven't liked Mariota's play this year in the pocket, I just think they have too much offensively for the Cardinals to handle. I'm going to take Arizona. Their uh, home field advantage has been kind of sneaky good this year, and I think Tennessee's kind of been playing a little bit over their heads right now, so I like Arizona. Yeah, I'm going to go with Arizona too. This is a tough one, and I like the point you made, John, about them being decent at home. Tennessee kind of struggling. Man, I'll take Arizona. This this, this pick is definitely going to sw- either make or break my week right here. Ah, I hate that. Anyway, Jets at Broncos. You got to take the Jets. It'd be hard for me to pick a team that's lost eight games in a row, and that's quarterback by Trevor Simeon. I'll take the Jets. Yeah, there's no quit in this Jets team, that's for sure, and that's been really great to see out of them this year. 
definitely want to quit on the other side in that Denver team, so got to roll with the Jets. <laughs> yeah, got to go with the Jets, too. Coming off that performance versus the Chiefs. Man, yeah. I, you just at the beginning of the year, you would not have imagined that Josh McCown and the Jets offense would even be able to handle the corners and Vaughn Miller. <laughs> on the all road. All these guys on the road. I don't know if I can do it. Oh, my gosh. All right, I'm going to take Denver. I'm taking Denver. I don't know. They got to do it. All right, Philadelphia at L.A. Best game of the week. Uh Man, that's tough. I'm, I'm going to take L.A. L.A.'s been, the, despite with not getting that much of a home crowd, I'll take the Rams at home to beat Carson Wentz. Yeah, I'm going to go with the Rams as well. I think the narrative could very well be coming off of this game that the Eagles lost two straight to some legitimate NFC playoff teams. That's my point, too. Right. I, they, they haven't really played anyone. On the road, too, which they may not have to do in the playoffs, but that may say a lot about how prepared they are for the playoffs. So I like the Rams. Yeah, I'm going to go with the Rams, too. I, I'm very in on this offense. Seattle Seahawks at Jacksonville Jaguars. Oh, wait. I didn't pick the Rams game. Sorry. <laughs> uh, I'm going to take the Rams. Seattle Seahawks at Jaguars. Another really good game. I, I just don't think Bortles can handle the Seattle defense. I'll take I'll take Seattle. Yeah, I think this is the game where Russell Wilson really has a nice performance. I think he cements himself as the MVP this year. I Interesting. I think he's been playing out of his mind. So that'd be a nice performance for him against a really good Jacksonville defense. But, yeah, like you said, I just don't trust Bortles to pull off a win. Yeah, exactly. You guys said it all. I'm going with Seattle. This is a really good game on paper. I'm gonna take the Jaguars at home. Ooh. <laughs> I like it. This is this is just a tough week. Oh my gosh! All right, Sunday night, Baltimore Ravens and Pittsburgh Steelers. Finally, they give us the Steelers Ravens Sunday night yeah, game, which the, you need every year. Oh yeah, there's there's like there's nothing better than Ravens Steelers on Sunday night. Like Cow Cowboys Giants is usually a close second, but. Steelers Ravens. Anyway, dis disregard that point. But um, I'm, as as a big Joe Flacco guy, I'm gonna take the yeah. Ravens. Yeah, I'm as a Steeler fan, I'm nervous about this one just because of how brutal Monday night's game was. I think the Steelers are gonna be banged up, still a little sore from that one. But they played really well at home. They play well in the division, so I'm gonna have to still roll with them against the Ravens. Yeah, I'm gonna go with. I'm gonna have to go with the Steelers too on this one. Hard to say no against the Steelers when they're at home on Sunday night. But the Ravens just need it so much more. I'm going to take the Ravens. All right, Patriots at Dolphins Monday night. Just to quickly go back to the Steelers-Ravens, the Ryan Chazier absence, I think, is really going to yeah, affect the Steelers. So like exa exactly. But anyway, Patriot, you got to go with New England. My Miami, Jay Cutler stinks. <laughs> and yeah. they, have no, they have no running game anymore, so I'm going to take New England. Yeah, I'll be rooting for Miami, but that doesn't mean I think they'll win. I'm going to New England as well. Yeah, this is this is Patriots. And it's the sweep. We're all on New England. <laughs> and that's it for the show. It's week 14. We'll see what these records come out to be in middle week. Check Twitter for that. WFUV Sports, great Twitter account. You guys should all follow it. But until then, we'll see you next time for the week 15 version of NFL Friday.